That's right. So we don't have to say anything. We don't have to say welcome to the re blah 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 podcast. You can tag something in the beginning to tell people what this is. Well, you've started it. So what? We can just keep going. Let's set the context for these lovely people. What's happening, Brennan? Oof, well, we decided. Maybe I decided. Maybe you decided. Maybe we both decided that we would draw back the wonderful Wizard of Oz curtain and say, like, you know, we always do these episodes and it sounds like, oh, the boy, those guys know what they're talking about. They got like, oh, here's what it's like. And here's the babies. That's the good stuff. And here's the bathwater. But the secret is the week before we bang our heads repeatedly against the wall and we're like, I don't think we can talk about this. Either there's way too much, like on this assessment, like this is like 10 hours. Or it's like, school uniform buttons or whatever and it's like we don't really have enough to say but then we get into it and there's always something sometimes it it, uh, takes like a week to marinate so i guess the point was what would it sound like if we just like pressed record this is the last it probably just sound like click maybe the sound of us pressing record this meeting is now being recorded tape machine but this is the last episode of the the orangeman good code word for that this is the last episode of the season that we've been doing for a long long time on the mainstream of school which is orange in the uh, spiral dynamics so when we're chatting we generally just call them orange or orangeman or orange woman or orange person just orange this the, the shorthand because mainstream is or the orange syllables. school orange school orange, orange is one and a half syllables but mainstream is two so it's a bit saves a bit of time so we say that and um it's a very messy process but i think after doing 90 odd episodes i think i think you know our loyal diehard fan base might uh might want to hear just Rob, Rob and Brendan, just how do you get it so polished? Yeah, and we're far from polished, but I think what we wanted to show is the thought process that goes into this because the podcast for you and I is still an open inquiry. And as you were alluding to, we kind of put out an episode every two weeks. We record one week, but the week prior to that, we're fleshing these things out because we don't have the words for this stuff yet. It's not like you and I started 100 episodes ago with all of these detailed notes. All you know, the scripts what, written. What are you up to? Even just for the mainstream season, this is what, 50-something pages of notes that we've got Yeah. at this point? Like, we didn't have any of this. We're figuring this stuff out together. It's an open inquiry week to week. You and I are trying to, like, clarify, reduce down. Well, not reduce down, but, like, simplify down the key characteristics of traditional mainstream progressive education. And let's pretend we're a little bit in a normal episode and just say, if you're not sure what traditional mainstream or progressive would be defined as, skip ahead to the last five minutes of this episode. We've got our little intro tutorial glossary about the terminology we're using here. It's like anti-kayfabe. Mm-hmm. My favorite ant. Exactly. But we're not starting from absolutely nothing. So we, when we started it, <coughs> traditional or blue kind of uh, inquiry into this, 
we didn't know that we would do an episode on community outreach. It was kind of only through, we actually did a, um, and I don't want this just to turn into a meta episode about how we wrote the first 90 odd episodes, but it, we just, but we you did, also we, do. I do and I don't. I do and I don't. I do want this to be an actual kind of like us picking apart the bones of this idea, but we're not starting from nothing. So we we started with the traditional and we kind of just brainstormed what community outreach might be, which is the next episode that we're looking at. And those notes in a simplified form is kind of where we're starting from. So, you know, I've got a bunch of notes here that say um, school is not an island. It functions within a local community. And in a 2020 something, it's a global community. So we kind of start there, I guess. And um, so, yeah, I mean, should we have a look at what community outreach might mean in a mainstream school by using I know it's on traditional school to kind of uh, provide a springboard, if you will. Yeah, so it seems like almost every piece of what we describe the traditional school as ends up contrasting in some way to what the mainstream representation looks like. And basically, we have like two categories. We look at our traditional notes, and then we either say, oh, mainstream is the opposite of that, or, oh, mainstream still does that, but for a totally different reason. And it's typically one of two boxes. And I think this one right off the bat is the category of mainstream does the opposite thing. So if traditional school is not an island, it functions within a local community. A mainstream school, of course, will say it is part of the local community, but it is not functioning or embedded within the community the way a traditional school was. In fact, the school, as we've said many times throughout this episode, is acting as an independent social entity within the community and you could more or less pick it up and move it geographically almost anywhere in the world and most of it's going to kind of remain the same or intact would you not would you not support that idea i would and i would say that uh harkening back to the last couple of episodes about how um, parents became less involved in the day-to-day run of the school as basically the state took over it's the same kind of idea and you know the romantic notion romantic traditional notion of the the little village school where everybody contributes and um you know, the Peppa Pig episode you talked about last time, which is, you know, that's what the, it is the world of children's cartoons where this world still exists, where the little village school exists. And, and you know, if the roof's leaking, then the uh, the plumber will come around and, and try and fix. And then they'll do a bake sale and everybody will kind of like patch up the roof. But the mega school down the street doesn't really operate in the same way. It's like that community and that community in itself doesn't even really exist anymore. So there are, you, you, most of our schools are serving, especially at the junior high school and high school, they're serving kids that are coming from 10, 20, 30 minutes away, sometimes hours away, especially a school like ours, which is international school. None of our, none of our kids leave and live, almost none of them live within walking distance of the school. They're all coming on public transport to the extent that, the very traditional Japanese school down the road still has parent volunteers doing road crossing in the morning. So all the kind of what they might call the silver service. So the old old ladies and gentlemen and the odd kind of um, mom or dad is kind of like helping to cross roads. 
our international serving community that serves kids from coming much, much further afield, we don't actually have that. Uh, we do a lot of community uh, activities. We had one today where the parents came and it was fantastic. But the parents came from all over the city. And I know as an international school, that doesn't really, you know, you can't really make an uh, analogy to your local mainstream school in England or Canada or whatever. But it's not that, that kind of community that you can draw on, that romantic community doesn't even exist anyway. And because you're not in even if it did exist, the way the school operates, it, it, almost like its own state-run little walled garden or independent autonomous thing doesn't need the community anymore, which is, when presented in that way, is pretty sad. It's a pretty sad kind of look at things if you're looking back to the good old days when the community supported school and now it's totally cut off and it doesn't need it anymore but there, but there's a lot more to it than that as we always kind of find out as we pick our way through this yeah and i think i'm trying to think of like pros and cons of that because that does sound rather stark to say like schools have evolved into you know serving a system where they basically they can exist without the community i guess to some degree, by being less reliant on the community and its resources and extracting it to a higher state level, um, the one advantage is if your community is not that wealthy, theoretically, that is helped by the state and your, your school is not hindered by the shortcomings or difficulties associated with your community. Is that fair to toss out yeah and, and also and is... also to go back to your one previous point i don't know if these two mm. things are connected but we're talking about community and we're saying you know yeah your school or even mine you've got people from all over the city there's still some community there's like an inner community but like we're talking about something about like the dispersal of geographic community there's something different when you're not walking by the school after school because it's part of the neighborhood, you know, you're not getting bussed 50 minutes across the city like some of the students. It's like, it, see, this is where we get into the messy tangents, especially on my part. Sort of like traditional was more the inner community and the physical community were physically located near the school. And the school is like a locus of the physical space. Now, it's extended that, yeah, it, theoretically, no one lives anywhere near each other in their lives outside of school, but there is still like what we would call the lower left or that shared sense of identity of being in the school. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to get at there? Yeah, and it's all tied into the last couple of episodes. We did the one about the parents and teachers relationship, which had changed to become much more of this kind of like less hierarchical and more kind of like we're both sharing support for our for that particular student in a, in a transparent way. And then we moved on to parent roles in the school, which the irony was that as as we as the school developed into this mainstream role, we actually all those roles became professional and therefore had no room for the parents. And I think this is almost the flip of that to say like, while the school no longer needed 
a parent volunteer or a parent librarian because those were all funded and even professional kind of thing. It's the same thing now. It's like, what is that community outreach as a school? What does it benefit from actually reaching out to the people who live in that kind of neighborhood? I would still say that, especially at primary school, most mainstream schools still you, the kids live within walking distance or driving distance, like 10 minute drive of the school. So there is still the possibility for that connection, but those things don't exist either. It's like the romantic notion. Like we used to, when I was a kid, there was three police stations within probably 15 minutes of my house. Now there isn't one until you get into the, like the local town. It's like those police stations had like two people in them. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, the good old days of the British Bobby riding around on his bicycle. But I grew up in the end of that. That that was still a thing when I was at school in the, you know, I started school in 1978. So it's like, that was still a thing. And there was still the local bakers and the local butcher shops. It was the end of that era. Go back another generation and that's what we were... We were, we were we were in but i don't think you can have like that romantic notion and not address the harsh realities of life at that time as well because people have much more comfort in many ways now even though there may not be as much security in some areas you know that's a, another massive tangent I might go off on but it's just, the, the world just has changed so that community no longer exists in the same form and so the thing that we would ask ourselves in this question is like so schools traditionally you go way back into the into the romantic past and the one-room schoolhouse and the small village school or whatever they did reach out to the local community to help them meaningfully to build things and actually my dad i said this a few times before he, when i was a kid he came and built like a, a wooden play area on the on the um the front of the school um now that would have been paid for the we have one in our school that, that we paid for that you know was quite pricey but he's really nice but then you know we again, too many tangents, but going off into what we talked about with Mark White, who works at my school, he's bringing back the loose parts play, which is very much more the progressive thing, bringing back in. But it's different. Is like, I, I guess, circling around the idea of, does a mainstream school reach out to the community for anything? Uh, the local community? That's really hard to say. What does a mainstream school right now do? Re, do they reach out to the local community in any meaningful way? The parent community, the actual parents who are part of the school, maybe global communities. So actually, you know, reaching to schools overseas, watching things on, on YouTube and, and, and connecting with, um, you know, people who might provide services for the school, whether those are digital or online or somebody com coming in physically into the school, the chance of anything that happening in your local, <laughs> the, within a few miles radius of the school, it really is kind of, it's its own island at this point. Yeah, and the things I can think of are one-offs or very short-term things. You know, there might be a community cleanup day. That was a common thing when I was in high school for Earth Day. Usually you get three hours to go pick up 
garbage or recycling or tidy up or weed an area or something like that. But yeah, as far as bringing in experts, like, you know, you'll still see police come in in a mainstream school, you know, might be, especially in Germany, like the police will provide you your bike training so that you can have your road safety, like license and things like that. Those things still exist. Parent volunteers for lice checks. But again, that's just the parent community helping out. Maybe for special events, like we mentioned in the traditional thing, you know, maybe getting local artists and you put, but never the local crack dealer. They get, they get overlooked on these ones. You might bring in a local musician, a local entertainer for a special event. But I think that's the thing I'm, I'm hitting up against here is they're one-offs or they're very short-term things. I can't, I guess maybe one of the few would be something like a co-op in high school. Remember my last year of high school, I think in your last two years, you had the option you could do a co-op, which was you would go essentially for a day, a week, or we had a weird schedule. I won't get into that, but a few, half of your time for a semester, you would go to a local business and essentially volunteer in exchange for credits and, you know, do a few assignments about things about how the business works and what you're learning and journals and stuff like that. And someone would oversee that. But I don't, I don't even know if I'd consider that community outreach necessarily. But that's one of the few places where you'd be outside of the school in the actual local business community, having a relatively authentic part, depending on how you were used. used yeah, but even, even, even that is already moving quite into the mainstream thing of work prep or whatever. It's like... So we would call it work placement or whatever, something like that, where you would just go out and do an, a mini apprenticeship for like a few days or a week or something like that. Arguably, that's far more mainstream than, even though it's been going on quite a long time, it's a, it's a weird one. Again, it's one of those of like, yeah, you the apprentice model is purely traditional, that hierarchical feudal kind of model, uh, whereas the kind of hired worker is the... Um, the mainstream but this the purpose of sending somebody out is not for you to become that person's apprentice it's for you to just get a taste of a couple of types of work to decide which area you might go in so I, i'd argue that even that that may have happened in a traditional school but it definitely would happen in a mainstream school so that like one area of community outreach would be, be the older children would definitely go out there and begin to uh, experience work like within the community. Take your kids to work day? Where does that one fit in? Yeah, I'd say that's the same thing. That's an earlier version of that. It's just a taster of um of what the world of work looks like and this is where it kind of gets muddy because nothing's ever one thing right of course people who take their kid to work if you're a traditional parent you might have a totally different set of reasons why you're taking your kid to work to show them how your duties and how you upheld your responsibilities to the community if you're a mainstream parent you might be taking your kid to work so that they can see you know how the world of work 
kind of like operate so that they can make some wise decisions for the career path they want to take. And if you're a progressive parent taking your kid to your local um, bespoke artisan <laughs> granola <laughs> shop, maybe it's to show how that you bring the community together based around your egalitarian <laughs> working practices. No, but all, a, all three could take your kid to some corporate office job. But for different reasons they don't exactly. even have to be different jobs that's the thing sure you, you you can and so this is where it gets a bit messy but i think one thing to be sure is that in terms of community outreach one thing the mainstream would pursue further is sending kids out as they get older into the community to do jobs but not for any type of this per se one thing that's coming right now in in progressive and especially in the IB kind of arguably progressive leaning thing is that you know service towards the community, service as action. Like I'm actually taking action to change the community. Service or duty traditionally, when you go to the old people's home to give them, you know, to, to sing carols for them or to help out or whatever. Again, it's another example of how the traditional and progressive might do a very similar thing, but for very different reasons. So the traditional might, you might go and pick litter or whatever, or go to the, uh, you know, pensioners home out of your duty and your tradition and your, your respect for the, the hierarchy and for your elders, a progressive, um, um, school might send you there to kind of enact change in your community to kind of like um you know kind of make the um the lives of the older people in the community more more um fun more meaningful whatever so it looks very similar but there's a different underlying purpose I don't know why the mainstream would send you out there so that you could get work experience in case you ever decided to work in an old people's home is that too is that too calculating no i well i don't think that would be the intention it's like in retrospect it might be seen as an opportunity i'm just wondering if this is the same as like our parental involvement episode in the school you alluded to this already but i wonder if this isn't just the flip side which is when we move to mainstream parental involvement essentially leaves the school and is replaced by um hired experts qualified people who are paid for and and overseen by the school i'm wondering if this is kind of the flip side as we move to mainstream it's sort of like the community to some degree gets pushed away or what used to be gathered from the community is now done abstractly through other means that are not dependent on what a community could offer it's not to say there's no place for it but i would <laughs> lean towards it's entirely optional if it could be seen as an additional resource to what you are able to provide within the school i think so i, I think don't think there's any mainstream head of school that would word it that way that's not how someone would see it but from the outside that's what i'm seeing because you'd have to justify the time spent as well the time you'd spent and also the, this was going through my head when we were talking about the integration of the community just legally there are very few schools where you can leave the school grounds without 
legal parental permission it's not like hey this is of interest well let's go to the park and check that out it's like oh just got to fill out the field trip form can you guys send this home sign off that we can leave the school for a few hours next week when we do this cool like all that spontaneity all those things are gone also within this more legal binding framework that mainstream schools find themselves in the 2000s yeah, so so as we hit this point, about 20 minutes into our discussion, it's like, this is a total mess. It's like, what have we even got so far? The fact that school no longer really has a community uh, in the same sense. To or it's not to. dependent on the community in the same sense, and therefore it doesn't reach out. Yeah, but I also think, like I said, the community doesn't exist in the same sense, and it also wants different things. So, it, and and that's also part of. Should we still do have the fire service, and we still do have a local doctor, and we still do have these these um, kind of people around us that we could call in. And actually, that still plays some part. But I think the wor- the world is wider, and it's like you can go on YouTube and watch a bunch of videos from really entertaining. Um, people who are probably better at presenting that information um, than the person in your community. Or higher in some kind of program. Yeah, so so much more experience maybe or or, uh, more, um, a better ability of how to present their information. And sure, you, it isn't the same kind of question and answer back and forth. All those, those are available too. So our kids now are doing this thing called the exhibition where they're all kind of planning their own, you know, kind of units of inquiry and stuff. And they all try to reach out to experts in a certain field. And many of them were able to actually talk to somebody who could have been anywhere in the world. And they were able to ask them questions on their very specific thing that's that's where the mainstream would begin to reach out it's like your community is becoming global and you know the communities of research like you type in a resource sorry so it's like the community isn't just this thing that you interact with now and again and it's common sense that the policeman the police officer comes around and and gives you a a talk on road safety or whatever it's like no actually we could uh, there's far more resources digitally and globally now that we can actually tap into for things like um things like road safety or or investigating animal welfare or global disputes as some of the kids have investigated in in this kind of unit and maybe this is where even our generating of what are some examples of this gets difficult because i think it becomes a or gets handed over to the individual discretion of teachers or teams of when do we do these things? Oh, well, there's the one teacher, she always does the sing the Christmas carols, but the parallel class doesn't because that teacher doesn't want it. Or this this one last year did take them to the dump, but this year they decided they're not going to because it wasn't very well organized or whatever it is. Like there are these things in the traditional school or wouldn't be a question It'd be like, Oh, well in September, we always go there. Now things aren't being done for tradition's sake or because we always did them. It's up to individual teacher discretion, whether we do these things or not. And therefore the, this, this sounds like I'm saying it in a negative way, but it doesn't create any coherent 
series of ongoing or even necessarily long-term connections to the community. These can all be one-offs where it's efficient and effective for us. Yeah, again, just it doesn't exist in the community in the same sense anymore. And that can be isolated. And that's one of the criticisms of when we get to the bathhouse, there's criticisms of mainstream teaching before you start to get back into collaboration. Um, but I mean, it's, it's been true of traditional teaching too. It's an isolating job potentially. But if you're also stripped from that community and the tradition, and you are a teacher in a mainstream school and your your job is to deliver the curriculum and assess the curriculum and you're pretty much entirely responsible for that yourself that can be incredibly isolating it's not and again all, a lot of this sounds negative and and you know that's why thank goodness we have the the babies section where we have to focus on good stuff because as much as the romantic notion of the community probably didn't really exist in that much in the schools of the 30s and 40s and 50s, it still was there. I don't think it's there anymore. And I think the benefit, if we get to the babies, is that you've now thrown the net much wider and you can reach out globally for these resources and you're not limited by what's in your local community. So the, the, the drawback of not really having that community anymore, anymore can be overcome by, by creating a, a, a network, you know, using, you know, communications technologies to create essentially a network. So there's nothing wrong with you reaching out. Now, whether or not mainstream schools actually do this is a whole other thing, but there's nothing to stop you reaching out to the schools all over your area or in uh, all over the world to, to collaborate and communicate with. I know I'm going on a bit here, but when I first started teaching in England and uh, there's a lot of money being put into IT at that time, and so we one of the first schools in the area. They, they piloted, it was like a low-income area, but they piloted this thing where like, I think six schools all got like hundreds of little tiny like laptop uh, kind of things. They're probably like the same size, like a Switch or something like that. <laughs> Nintendo Switch, not, not much bigger than that. Touch screen, but they, you know, they recorded audio and, and even video and stuff like that. And so we were part of a network of six schools and we um, collaborated on the kind of rudimentary platforms with the other schools and we had meetings with them. And that, that was, I guess, a community. And there, there was a, a kind of little festival at the end. And we actually went down to a technology show in London, like four or five kids from each school. We went down. So that was a, an artificially created network bringing together schools that had an interest in technology and so you know this is where I guess this is when we exhaust all of the obvious things then we start digging into these kind of ideas um, but essentially just like in the good old days or the bad old days if you were the only 
Pink Floyd fan in your town, or if you were the only person that liked dirt biking, you might be a little bit isolated in your own community. So for all of the romantic notions of the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker living just down the road, if you were not mainstream, shall we say, ironically, if you were not part of that, the core of that community, it'd be quite isolating. But with the internet and other communication things now, like you can, you no matter how obscure the things you are interested in, you can join a network. You can, um, like, like right now, I do that podcast about the fall. They're pretty obscure post-punk band. Yet we get, you know, there's multiple Facebook groups. There's three podcasts on that band. Um, yeah, and if you, you were trying to find, if you were trying to find guys in Osaka to get a fall podcast up and running, you're likely going to have a hard time. Yeah, I mean, and the smaller your community, the harder it is. It's remember when eBay first came out, you know, a lot of background in music and people were just losing their minds over the fact this rare record they had is now worth almost nothing because there's the thousands of them on, on eBay, whereas before you were the only person who had it. That's the flip side of that. And to tie that all back to the community outreach, if you're in a school and you're a student or a teacher or, uh, you know, whatever, if you are not completely in line with the philosophy and practices of that school in the traditional school, you're kind of stuck. However, these days, I can reach out and make a network of people that are really interested in a specific type of art teaching or a specific type of uh, inquiry-based learning. Or, you know, we talked a long time ago about unschooling go on the internet there's multiple unschooling um, communities so I guess what we're saying is the mainstream has just made it so that you can find your own community rather than having to rely on the one that you are that you just happen to live in yeah and you are being handed what you're supposed to focus on from the state and from the curriculum. So in part of this ensuring standardization that everyone gets a fair shake on this, we're losing the local community curriculums or local ideas about what's important, moving up to the state level and whether you're in downtown Toronto or a flying community in Northern Ontario, you, what's happening within the school has clear aims and focuses, regardless of what the community or landscape looks like outside of it. I'm not sure I said anything there. I think there's negatives and positives with that, though. I think the most negative thing there, which is true, is that you know because you've got a, a centralized curriculum, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which town or city you live in. That's been one of the criticisms of a national curriculum. And, and the, you know, the national curriculums actually came in from the left generally because of that idea to kind of balance the playing fields. And it was when in Britain, you know, the, the 
Tony Blair and the, the kind of new labor brought all that in like um, short start programs for early readers or early literacy and classroom assistance and a national curriculum and standardized testing all was aiming to serve the purpose of of leveling the playing field for better or worse and if you focus on the idea of a national curriculum once the conservatives got back in power they did this move that to an outsider might look like it's more progressive almost of freeing up the curriculum but then you look at the reason why they did it you know it's so that those so those traditional schools with a lot of money and a lot of resources can do whatever they want. They're no longer beholden to a national curriculum that, that the left has kind of imposed on them. And I guess that's a way to say basically that mostly is going to be a negative within a community because you are saying that you have to follow this curriculum and that's what your kids are going to be marked on and that's what we're going to assessment and we're going to rank your schools based on how well they do and the kids uh, qualifications therefore their job opportunities are going to be heavily tied to this so sure you can do it if you like you can meaningfully interact with your local community if you like but if you do that you're going to come lower in the league table and you're going to end up uh, putting the, the jobs of the staff at risk and so on and incurring <laughs> the wrath of Ofsted. Now, whether there's truth in that is a whole other thing, but it's certainly the threat that hangs over uh, schools. And I guess romantic. The, yeah, and the, well, there's something there where co community involvement as far as I'm aware, might show up in terms of values in a curriculum. But I can't think of any specific curriculum objectives in curriculums that I've seen that say, as part of the national curriculum, you will, you know, students can do X in their local community, right? Like the curriculum itself doesn't require authentic action or action or it doesn't require you to leave the school walls in any way. That's just bonus. Shoot me down. Is that wrong? No, Shoot no, that's wrong. not wrong. But it, but I I think it's like um, we're getting off into other things such as the meaningful nature of the curriculum. But there's really important in this area to say, like in a mainstream school, you might get a curriculum objective. Like I remember one in the geography in primary was to compare a rural and a and a, a urban kind of setting sure but it doesn't matter what how you compare it really or or even what it is there's some stipulations you compare sizes you compare like the kind of uh the population the, the, density the, the density and of course and like the services available and so on like that. you should do some some basic comparisons of the thing which would allow you to interpret that on a, a fairly um kind of surface level it doesn't matter whether you look at your own community or or a random rural community for example because you're just looking at a community as if it was a textbook or a piece of paper you know with something written on there you're not engaging with that community 
And that's the criticism of the mainstream, the abstracting of, uh, sorry, getting into the bathwaters here, the, the progressive definitely would, would hammer the mainstream for just for abstracting the, uh, the, um, the, the curriculum away from any form of meaning. Like it, it can never have a meaningful connection to the community because you've abstracted it so much that it applies to everything. Now, now you could use that as a springboard to have inquiries, which is kind of how, you know, in an inquiry school, you use the curriculum. You could use those kind of like compare an urban and a rural setting. Sure, you could use that as the beginning of an inquiry and it, it would lead you into some interesting places. Mainstream is not going to ask you to do that. The mainstream is basically saying, do this because at some point on a test or some form of standardized assessment, this is probably going to come up. Mainstream wouldn't really agree with that in its broad sense, but in school, that's how it works. It's basically everything is geared towards the curriculum, i.e. everything is geared towards getting higher scores on the standardized tests that invariably pop up in your geography or history when you get into middle school and high school. Um, the backwards designed from those tests rather than, um, you know, deducing reality from the clues that you find around you. Um, which is all to say that this is all sounding pretty grim other than the ability for you to create your own community and interact with it. That seems to be the saving grace so far to be like a mainstream school allows you to reach out and interact with people that you might never have any connections with and, and collaborate with them and do meaningful work in theory. In practice, though, I think you wouldn't find that happen quite so often. And so that isolation, the walled garden, as it's sometimes called, is what you actually end up with in practice. I think the only thing we haven't discussed here is the idea of field trips. Mainstream field trips. I have a sense there is still a lot of that traditional thing lingering over like, oh, well, that's a good place to go. But in the mainstream, I, you know, I'm kind of, when I think of the, the roster of people I've worked with who I'd argue are mainstream leaning. There's sort of two extremes. One is the almost never does field trips unless someone else is doing it and they're just a part of it. And then there's the, we do a field trip every two weeks for every unit we're doing and there's, or some activity to get out of this place into the larger world as a, you know, culminating activity to our unit or something like that, or it's just a breath of fresh air, or kids are then more motivated during the in-school lessons for it idea. Some... And, you know, they'll couch it in language about, you know, it's, it's an authentic experience. It's, it's bringing the classroom to life. You know, to me, there's something there that ties into this idea that, you know, it's the mainstream teacher's job to find a way to make the curriculum relevant to you. Like in, in traditional, it's just 
the teacher's job to get through the curriculum and like, you better do it. Progressive is let's find what's meaningful and maybe create curriculums or, you know, find ways to extend the curriculum to your own meaning. But mainstream, it's kind of on the shoulders of the teacher to the dismissive thing would to say like the razzle dazzle, the edutainment side of things. The positive is to find, to help you make those connections yourself and find authentic meaning in these things. And an extension of that could be field trips into the local community to make some of those contacts. But again, I keep coming back to this idea of in mainstream things seem to be, I guess only because I can't think of other examples, seem to be more focused on one-offs than any kind of like year-long ongoing thing. I'm not able to draw on any examples I can think of. I'd give you that. I think, so a traditional school will do some field trips and it'll probably be the same ones they take every year and they may be connected to local festivals and rituals and things and almost certainly not intentionally related to the curriculum. And again, if you're thinking, if you're out there thinking, oh, that's not true, it is true. <laughs> if you go back far enough into the romantic past and sure, yeah, then, you know, in 2021, even the most traditional school is probably still taking field trips with one eye on the curriculum to some degree. But they're less likely to do kind of uh, religious services and and uh, harvest festivals or trips out to the, 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 the Japanese primary schools often go digging up sweet potatoes every year. So this is a, every grade two class in Japan probably goes out to the fields to dig up sweet potatoes. Don't know who started it. Probably a, a wily farmer. And, every, uh, every Ontario class goes apple picking in September to early exactly. October. So that's, that's a tradition, right? And, and it may, the te- uh, you know, a canny mainstream teacher might tie it to the curriculum, but that's not why it's there. Whereas a mainstream teacher would, aside from the fact that you said earlier, still need to do the risk assessment and go and visit the site and all of that stuff in advance, but they'd almost certainly need to tie it into the curriculum. So you're talking visits to science museums, you're talking visits, there may still be some hands-on, you may go and visit an orchard, but it's because you're studying, uh, you know, apples or, you know, some form of agriculture or whatever it's it's tied in entirely to the curriculum that's why you're going whereas well, yeah i'll th- i'll throw this one no sorry to... finish your point and then i'll throw in this well i was going to go off on a little tangent into the when you get to the progressive maybe you are going somewhere on an ongoing thing so you go to the mm-hmm. orchard on a monthly basis. So you're starting to actually, once again, integrate yourself into that community to make a change. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're building the orchard or whatever. Or maybe there's more student agency and choice. So my daughter just went on a field trip today and she was part of the student government and it was thrown out to the government a few months ago. Would you like to go on some field trips towards the end of the year? Yes, we would. Okay, right, start planning them. So they planned two field trips this week and. The one's the trampoline park. It's a whole lot of fun. No connection to the curriculum whatsoever. And also not a tradition. It really was just for fun. Now, sure, in the mainstream, you might let off some steam and so on. But in this 
in the in the uh, the green progressive this was like no this was actually designs and it was something meaningful to them even though that meaning was actually just on a fun kind of level so it's kind of uh, and although that know. sounds somewhat straw man traditional i think that idea of field trip as a bonus for an extra duty is a mainstream leaning thing where it's like oh you guys were on student cancel or you did this thing I can think of many examples of that. Oh, you were the sport helpers. You guys get, I think almost the traditional version. No, I don't think this is real, but might be leaning to more where it's like, oh, you get an in-house pizza party, folks. And we talked about the pizza parties. It's the treat. I think the treat, the kind of, yeah. 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 Whereas the field trip is like, you guys were the the student government. Hey, we're going to go to the EU parliament for the day. You guys can check that out as your bonus field trip. Thanks maybe maybe that's not to say that it's all boring ass stuff in the in the mainstream but it's um especially you get into you know junior high and high school i think if it's not connected heavily to the Mm -hmm. um to the curriculum then you've got to make a real case for it and i think there is still a case for letting off steam and inspiration and stuff but i think that's the I think that's either the blue traditional or the green progressive sneaking back in at the window and saying, Hey, you know, people have worked hard. Cause I think they are the, you know, we give the mainstream its credit that it does say you can't just work people to death, but it, but in its unhealthiest form, it is like, no, no, the reward is just that you're getting better. You don't need any other external rewards. Just the fact that you're studying and getting better and learning and that'll, that'll get you better scores and, and make you a better student. That's enough. You don't need to let off steam. You don't need to adhere to any tradition or a deeper ritual meaning. It's just like, dude, this is going to get you. <laughs> this is going to get you more get knowledge. You ahead. It's going to get you ahead. The one again, this funny example. Bit, you know. Well, this is a funny one because it proves, I think, your point. So I'm trying to tie two things together: field trips and authentic community experiences, even if not involvement. So months ago, my current grade six class, we did a project. It was tying in things from the curriculum about persuasive arguments, creating persuasive arguments, about presentations. There was, you know, five or six kind of curriculum things all bundled together. The gist of the thing was students presented a suggestion for a English themed field trip because we're I'm an English teacher I teach English as a second language they needed to present uh, the argument to go on a field trip in their neighborhood with the intention that we could learn a little bit more about the different neighborhoods because my school is kind of like what we were talking about at the start of the year or at the start of this episode where kids are scattered all over Brussels and Many of them don't know the other neighborhoods that some of these kids live in and the cool things that are there. So, it was, you know, the curriculum side, yeah, five or six things bundled together. And then sort of the side thing, our school's ongoing desire is to make sure kids have a more authentic experience of what life in Belgium is like while, you know, they're here for a few years and get to see some of the cool things that are here. And this was a way to kind of sneak in getting informed about some of the other cool neighborhoods and stuff that goes on but of course all under the guise that hey this needs to be english themed in some way that there'd be some way we could practice either our speaking listening reading or writing in english while we do this field trip 
lots of great ideas from the students. And we threw in a bit of the mainstream thing that in the end, the students will get to vote on all these ideas. You can't vote for your own, but we'll vote for a field trip idea. And the winning one was a, a three-part combo of let's go see an English film at the Stockholm Theater. Let's go out for lunch for ramen at the ramen shop across from the theater. The local English ramen shop. <laughs> the local English ramen shop. Uh, and then uh, head to the park. We can bring some English games or whatever, or we just agree that while we're playing around on the equipment, we'll speak in English. And it was like, oh, okay, you guys ticked enough of the boxes. That sounds good. Crunch time comes. We're trying to organize this. We're realizing it has to happen on a Wednesday. And if we're going to do that, the film takes up this much time. Talk to the ramen place. They speak English. They're totally happy to give the little mini guided tour of their process for making ramen and offer sub suggestions at home, all this sort of stuff. It's Belgium, so you can never count that it's not going to rain. So the outdoor part was always a little bit suspect, but fine. In the end, we realized just simply for timing logistics, guys, it's either going to be the ramen or the movie. And if the weather's decent, we can sneak in the park for a few minutes waiting for the movie or while some people are finishing up their food, whatever. In the end, the movie is the thing that got voted. Okay, if we only have time for really the movie and maybe the park, movie over ramen. This concern the whole time was, guys, we can't guarantee what movie will be coming up weeks from now uh, because, you know, the theater doesn't have freedom over which things they have. Huge bonus, Thor Love and Thunder is coming out on the day we booked it. Ooh, la, la. Students are going to get to see the new Marvel movie hours before it will be shown at the theater to the general public. We're getting a private screening to go see. And then, you know, it's the only movie we have a choice of. That's the kid appropriate movie for that week. Then it comes time for me to craft the parent letter. And to me, it just looked like on face value, just like looks like Rob's taken them to see the Marvel movie. <laughs> like the stupidest yep. sounding field trip of all time that has nothing to do with the curriculum. Like the movie, the movies, no, it will be in English, but it'll have French and Dutch subtitles underneath it. That's the funny part. Um, but it just sounds so dumb. Like the, the flimsiest tie-in is like, well, we'll get to see the Stockel theater, which is like a pretty famous theater in, in Brussels. That's, that's cool. But it just looks like, ah, it's the end of the year. I'm going to take you to go see that new Marvel movie. And hey, we're booked before it comes out. How cool is that, guys? And it's like, no, no, no. Like, we actually had a much larger intention for this. And I had to, like, craft the letter to be like, earlier in the year, <laughs> you might remember your child's project where we presented a variety of options across a variety of neighbors, neighborhoods across Brussels with a variety of suggestions. The most popular was this one. Unfortunately, due to time constraints, we had to narrow it down to one of these, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to see the movie, blah, blah, blah. And like, it'd be great for your kids to see the Stockwell Theater if they never have. But it's, regardless of the intention, it's we're going to see the new Marvel movie. <laughs> and we're not doing the curriculum that day. And it'll still probably be the number one thing kids remember from the year. Hey, we got to see the new Marvel movie before it was released to the general public. Bit of a yeah. ramble chat there, but trying to tie in this idea that field trips should have some extension to the to the curriculum and be for a reason, not just let's get out of school and do something fun. 
in the so mainstream. To this, well, you get into this idea that the healthy mainstream would genuinely tie all field trips into the curriculum, but also make them fun and positive and meaningful, which is essentially what you've just done, right? But I know a mainstream kind of parent could view it as that. Okay, well, you know, they had the kids plan this and they went through all the plans and now they're carrying out their plan. And especially as you've talked about before, maybe they have to take the train there or whatever. You could tie it in and do all kinds of little hoops that they have to jump through to practice their communication skills, their math skills and whatever. It's like, it's a prime example for that. But what point is it just <laughs> mental gymnastics? Well, this is mental like, gymnastics. It is, but it's not because you genuinely did it because you wanted to give them an opportunity to meaningfully plan something that they could use their English. And if they were to walk away with that lesson to say, well, actually, there's multiple places in this city where I can, you know, explicitly decide to, to use my English. I could go to that ramen store. I could go to the, the park and play entirely in English or whatever. There's in the local library and just look through the English section or whatever. So you had a meaningful or a curriculum-based kind of uh, reason for doing it. But then if you were a traditional or a progressive parent, it's like... Why is my kid getting out of health- class for a morning yeah, why to go see the new Marvel movie? So that would be traditional. It could also be a mainstream parent yeah, who's, yeah. Not bu- who's not buying your reason. Sure, Rob, you went through this thing, but couldn't you have just told them good job but not want want to see the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> you just did the project you didn't actually go and need Have to, go to and do see the, the trip movie. no because the experience of that to the mainstream is not of any real importance the the, the key was the process of planning the trip um and so it gets into all these kind of little bits but what you did there to turn this back is you did use the local community and you found curriculum connections and you actually put a little bit of that progressive green sheen on it and sprinkled some kind of student agency in there to be like, well, you get the choice. This is going to motivate you to research this and use some of those kind of transdisciplinary skills going across multiple subjects and all of those kind of things. So in its essence, it's got uh, the core of some good, solid mainstream, even progressive leaning learning, but really Rob, just wanted to go and see uh, Chris Helms, Helmsworth with his kit off, didn't he? I like popcorn. Any excuse Love to have popcorn. theater popcorn. Looks like a great movie, actually. Looks. Like I, I was fun. questioning it. the The trailer shows nudity, so I was imagining any parent being like, "Oh, the new Thor." Oh, not really. What's that one it's like? It. Oh yeah, the trailer's got. It shows his bum in it. Is it pixelated though? I just watched it the is trailer pixelated, today. Yeah. But still, but, um, then you know it's not pixelated in the movie, right? Oh, is it not? No, no, no. It doesn't matter. It's like it's only a man's bottom. Yeah, exactly. And there we go. We've nailed community outreach. <laughs> <laughs> We've finished at the male bottom. The one last piece I want to add that then after thank you for defending my field trip, the one piece that then removes all of that is uh, after we'd made all these decisions about a week ago in class, we were talking about something about online safety. And in our textbook, it was referring to online forums. And I had like a funny discussion because now this is like internet history. I'm like, you guys don't even know what online forums are. Those don't exist anymore. And I was like, 
Just imagine 10 years from now, you guys in my position having to explain to kids what TikTok is. Like, this is how absurd that in 10 years, these forums are gone. And I'm explaining like, you know, it's sort of like a comment section, but the comment section only existed to one website. And I was like, Reddit is the last thing that even resembles what these online forums look like. Yeah, yeah. So I was explaining it and two of the kids in my class are on Reddit. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I, I kind of get it. And then so I went on Reddit and I was like, you know, what is good about these is you can crowdsource answers for things. So I went on to the Brussels Reddit thread and I typed in like, hey, what are ideas for good English themed field trips? And then the like, hilarious- you, man. Well, this was the funny <laughs> part was the next day, there were five or six suggestions And then we checked them out and the feedback from my students was because often I ask like, Hey, if I did this assignment with next year's grade sixes, what would you guys change or what could we improve? What could make different or whatever? And then their number one bit right away was like, Oh, do like any of those ones that were on Reddit. That's way better than the stuff in my neighborhood. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That that was the like funny piece, which I think reinforces your idea. You're not stuck with your community. You can find these broader things. And, you know, to be fair, half the list, a bunch of the kids are like, oh, yeah, I've been to that already. And yeah, I've seen that. And they, you know, they are some of the typical Belgian things. But there are some really cool suggestions where out of the 30 kids in my class, none of them had heard of this thing. And we open up the website for a moment to have a look. And like, oh, actually, that looks... Yeah, yeah, that's bad. I would, I'd pick that over the movie. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, cool. Maybe next that, year... That, we- that comes into a... Well, that comes into where mainstream gets pushed into the more progressive end where it's like, okay, well, actually, instead of just brainstorming what we have and what we know or reading the local newspaper or asking our our parents, why don't we uh, go to Google and type in things to do in Brussels <laughs> and try that as well? And um, so, I mean, that is, you know, we started off with a fairly negative, isolating kind of thing, but it's it, the, the communities that are crowdsourcing that information with people who live two streets away, but you would never have spoken to, but, but know everything about the local area and can give you hints and tips that you'd never would have come across. So um, silver linings, silver linings as we, as we, uh, hunker down into a world in which we never speak or acknowledge the things around us. And school is essentially a virtual island floating in the sky. (laughs) Now, babies in bathwaters, babies in bathwaters, everyone. I think we've sorted that out. And so the funny part, meta moment here, because you guys listening to this, if you're still with us, um, you haven't seen what's happening on our screen. As Brennan and I have been talking, both of us, have a shared Google Doc open, and we've been typing these notes out, key bullet points of what makes a mainstream school outreach, talking with the babies, talking with the bathwaters. We've got all our notes, and now in theory, we kind of let some of these things marinate for about a week or so, and then we get back together next week, and we have these notes open in front of us and read bits of them, riff. I always get cringe when I hear that word, but go on tangents, perhaps Jam. repeat a few of the things we've talked about here, or, you know, throughout the week, we'll think of, oh, actually, there's this other example, too, and and bring some new examples. So this is what happens behind the scenes of the episode. So for every episode we have up, Brendan and I have had one of these discussions. 
to be able to generate and, and distill down some of these ideas of what makes each of these things, such as parent outreach, uh, uniquely mainstream or uniquely traditional or uniquely progressive. Yeah, I've enjoyed doing it this way. I don't know if it's something that we would want to do very often, but I think uh, this kind of ramble chat, um, an hour or so, which eventually we've touched on everything that we will touch on in the actual episode. It's all in there. It's just a little bit more um, hazy and uh, woven into each other. And I think next week, um, yeah, you'll get the more concise um, version um, in about yeah. the, these 20 are the, minutes, 30 minutes, rather yeah. than an hour. Well, it's you and I, or at least me, I won't speak for you. It's me fine. It's like, it's kind of there foggy in my head. Maybe a few things need to be ironed out that aren't clear or I don't have yet. But it's kind of like, it takes me five minutes to say something here that in the actual episode, hopefully it takes me one minute. This is the like banding around rambling tell you the five minute story about my field trip to the movie theater, but I can distill it down to the 30 second essence when it's the actual episode kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know, like I, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I do like the ramble, the long form. I want to listen to Rob talk for five minutes about uh, which, which movie he's watching rather than him just saying, yes, we, we planned this and we, we went here. Um, so no, if uh, let us know, tie a note on a stone and throw it through our windows, and we'll tell you. You know, if you, if you like this, we we'll do some more of them. Maybe even get someone else on to kind of parse apart. This one was actually pretty straightforward. We, we we did a bit of digging. It wasn't quite the revelation that some of the others, but I think we picked apart four or five different strands that all relate to how schools do and don't reach out to the local communities once you get to the mainstream. Um, yeah, and if you're still listening, yeah, hopefully you see that it's um, it's by no means clear to us and uh, it, it's a messy and overlapping thing where we have to kind of arbitrarily draw lines and boundaries around things to try and make them make sense. Um, yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Brennan. The end. <laughs>